blunt? Do you like to be blunt? Absolutely. We don't sugarcoat shit. Listen, Listen Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. You'll hear things you've never heard before. Renegade Talk Radio. Talk.fm. I'm Carl Higby, your host. Folks, it's been a wild week since the last time I talked to you, but listen up. Obama has recently come out and said that he didn't know that this would do anything for health care. He didn't know that all these people were going to get dropped. How the hell did he not know? Come on. This has been his defense on everything. Not knowing? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know. I wasn't aware. Nobody informed me. Come on. American people aren't buying that. Renegade Nation, stand up against this. This is BS. He knew. No doubt he knew. And whether it's, you know, this plan to get everybody to get on a single-pair system, or if he's just that dumb, you never know, he's a liberal. He knew. And there's a track record showing that he knew, too. And yet, somehow, people are still buying into the fact I don't know how his approval rating is even at 30% that blows my mind he sold the American people down the river it's it's proof that he's either an extremely uninformed president or he's an idiot Um, there's not much you can do but it is what it is Listen, folks, I've been toying with the idea of running for Congress here for the uh, 2014 Connecticut 4th District race. And uh, I've been meeting with people. I've been going around and around and around talking to all these people. And um, I'm getting uh, I got a lot of support initially. And then when they found out I was actually serious, they were a little dumbfounded by it, especially the establishment Republicans here. They're, uh, I think, a little taken off base because I'm the wild card. As anybody listens to the show, they know that. I can be a little off the cuff, and uh, which, speaking of off the cuff, I have no outline for the show today, and I'm speaking purely from the heart, so listen carefully, because I might screw something up. <laughs> um, they, they're a little upset, they're worried that some cowboy, somebody who they've never heard of, will come out of right field and beat their opponent, who, which right now, they're, or it's not their opponent, they're, uh, they're pretty much almost guaranteed nominee, which is Dan DiBasello in the area. And, uh, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say about him. There's another third candidate, but he's, uh, uh, I don't think they consider him a factor. But, I, I, and I have nothing bad to say, and I, I will never say anything bad. Thou shalt not speak ill of a fellow Republican. But, I just, I, I'm not going to spend my campaign saying why he would be a worse candidate when I can spend an entire campaign of telling everybody why I'm a better candidate. And I believe I am. 
I believe that Washington needs to shake something. You know, somebody said to me, uh, well, Carl, you know, realistically, you have about a 10% chance of winning. I said, really? That's pretty good odds. I've beaten worse before. So, well, why not? And then they tried to tell me, well, you know, you're really going to hurt. If we have to build, spend resources beating you, you're going to hurt the ultimate. Th-. I said, look, my, my response to that was kind of, you're either part of the steamroller, you're part of the pavement. Make sure you pick the right side. But I think what they're really afraid of is that I don't owe anybody any favors around here. And I'm not indebted to anyone. And I've told people, I've, I've been trying to find a treasurer. So, hey, look, folks, if you are out there and you know anything about Connecticut politics or treasury stuff, I need a treasurer for my campaign. Unfortunately, I can't get a campaign going until I have a committed treasurer. That person has a pretty big responsibility. So if you're in Connecticut in the 4th District, that's Southwestern, Fairfield County, and then some, uh, please get in touch with me through Facebook and uh, let's talk. So I have a lot of people dedicated to helping me out in the campaign, staffing, things like that, but nobody really wants that treasurer job. So uh, in order for this to happen, I need that. But... um, you know, back back to the establishment, they they know that I, I don't owe anybody anything, and I, I'm kind of they don't know where I where I stand and things like that. Even though I put it in a book, they're they're still terrified of it. Which, if you haven't bought the book Battle on the Homefront, it's a great platform to start reading about me and find out where I stand on many issues. But I was told that. It's you know, first they tried to intimidate me. Then they tried to talk me out of it by saying that I wouldn't win. And I said, with all due respect, you know, this is a, a local GOP chairman person. I said, with all due respect, this is why Congress under Republican leadership has a nine percent approval rating. Because you're more interested in whose turn it is and who's scratched whose back than you are sending viable candidates to the election. So, kind of interesting, but I uh, I really think that he sat on that for a minute, and he was like, hmm. Now, personally, me, am I going to win the primary if I do run? Who knows? Maybe. The likelihood's pretty low. But if I do win the primary, I have a very, very good chance at winning the um, the general election. So... That, that's that's what drives me. And it's not... My wife thinks I'm insane. You know, she stands behind me, but she thinks I'm insane for doing it. And my own mother thinks I'm insane, too. She was involved in politics. But it's it's interesting to see where people's thing... And, you know, there's a chance that I may not run. But um, it, it's definitely... My exploratory committee and my, my massive campaign budget so far has allowed me to do a Facebook poll, which resulted in a lot of people not in the district telling me to go for it. I appreciate your support out there, but uh, I'm going to have to go a little bit further than that if I'm going to win anything. It's it's difficult. Because here you have the majority, and when I say majority, I mean the majority. I mean, there's a in the primary elections, there's a very small number of people who have registered voters who actually come out to vote. I think it's like 10% or something. So if you get... 6% of registered voters to come out and vote for you, you win in pretty much a landslide in a three-way election. So, it's it's just so interesting to me. Because you have the establishment, the, you know, the GOPs and the Republican town committees, they all think one way. And then you have pretty much the entire rest of the population believing that, hey, we need somebody 
a normal person like me, who's not a hedge fund guy, he's not a previous office. So that's another thing. I was told that we've never held previous office. I was like, honestly, I think that makes me more qualified. I, I really do. I, I can't imagine why that would make me any less qualified. But, you know, I, I, I came out with a bold statement on Facebook that if I do run, I will not be bought. Now, I fought for my country in Iraq twice as a Navy SEAL, and now I'm coming back to fight here on the home front. Folks, this is not new to me, this political stance. I mean, while I was in the Navy, I published Battle on the Home Front in an effort to point out our country's shortfalls. I mean, I took an oath to the country and Constitution, and I still intend to stand for it. Things have gotten worse. I'm taking that stand to fix them. I'm going to run a campaign of solutions, not money and propaganda. Folks, if I do run, I'm... I don't care about social issues. Guess what? If you want to be gay, fine. Go be gay. But don't don't throw it in my face in parades and drag. Because I don't want to see it. So, go do your thing. You know what? I'll even go so far to say, civil unions, go right ahead. I don't care. But leave that church to decide about marriage. Because it is an institution of the church. I'd say, abortion. Now, everybody tells me, ooh, don't touch abortion. It's a touchy... Well, you know what? It's going to come up. It's going to come up because the last guy took a stance on pro-life and it cost him in Connecticut. But, okay, I don't agree with it. Fine. I'm not going to legislate against it. I don't think some guy in an office somewhere should be telling a woman how to deal with that kind of thing. I certainly won't allocate federal dollars to federal tax dollars to it. But you know what? You want to get an abortion? Fine. I just, I, I don't personally like it, but whatever. And see, these are the, the issues in a campaign that people get wrapped around the axle about. They, they get so nervous, they get so intense about it, and they say, oh, well, we got to, uh, you know, we, we got we to gotta focus on these. What's your stance on this? And what's, you know, on uh, the Defense of Marriage Act and uh, abortion, and what are we going to do? Ah, you know what? Who cares? I mean, honestly, there's so much bigger issues facing this country right now. This is what I tell people. And, like, career, people have been in politics their entire career look at me like, what? You know, like it, like I'm saying something confusing there. Like, no, just leave it alone. Besides the fact that it's not a federal matter. It's just, you know, under 10th Amendment, states' rights issue. But, you know, the Supreme Court's not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So why why do they get so into this? I mean, the country is falling apart. The healthcare system, which is one-sixth of the economy, is taking a dump. Our president has lost all credibility. Our military is crumbling under the bureaucratic machinery that it is. I mean, what? what? (laughs) We're sitting there worried about abortion? Come on! Folks. my, my, My stance on this is you know, we have some serious issues that if we don't fix them, there's going to be no abortions to deal with because there's going to be no healthcare system that's going to be able to do it. We got to take this one to the fence, folks. Um, you know, and I, I would I would like your support. Find me on Facebook, Carl Higby on Facebook, or go to Battle on the Home Front on Facebook. Find me, you know, and and write to me. Let me know what you have to say. I do my best to get back to everybody I can. Um, 
And if you, especially if you know somebody in Connecticut who wants to help out and really get somebody who's just a normal guy like me, I get up in the morning, I put my shoes on, I go to work, I come home, I have family, you know, I have this radio show. I, I'm just a normal person. I'm not, I'm not any, you know, celebrity or billionaire or millionaire or anything like that. Just like you guys. And I just want my daughter to grow up in a country that I grew up in. The country that I know, the, the freedoms, with the opportunity to go on. Don't we all want that? It's a growing a majority of the people around want that. And it's just the, the small majority who have the mouth, that have the mouthpiece to be able to speak and say, oh, establishment. Those are the ones who are saying, you know, oh, we can't have this guy. Folks, I need I need your support here if I do end up doing this. But uh, it's interesting. Renegade Nation, I got to take a break. You're listening to RenegadeTalk.fm. We will be back in a minute. I was in chronic pain. And my family struggling to make ends meet, food and gas prices going up, even keeping my job was iffy. Then I learned about a new miracle drug made in Washington, D.C. Spend it all. Spend it all is Washington's answer to all the painful problems Americans face. How to borrow $800 billion for a stimulus that didn't create jobs or fix the economy? Spend it all. Spend it all is not for everyone. Side effects may include a mountain of government debt piled on our kids, a sudden loss of freedoms, higher prices for everything, leaving our kids a lesser America than we had. Ask your doctor or congressman if your conscience is strong enough for Spend it all. And it's so popular in Washington, we have to borrow. I mean, import trillions more of it from China. Spend it all makes you feel better now and pushes off the really bad stuff till later for them to deal with. Call the White House and Congress. Tell them, stop spending it all. Non-stop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade. Talk radio. Welcome back to Renegade Nation. Uh, you're listening to Renegade Talk.fm. Uh, we have a lot going on, and I think <laughs> I might have just blown some minds on that last section there. Look, I want to go into a couple more things. I was, last program, I talked a little bit about the military and everything like that. I want to get off my campaign ambitions and everything, but something that is plaguing our military right now is the award system. Because it ultimately translates to a, a big part of the promotional system. So, um, our awards in the military—it's not a meritocracy by any stretch of the imagination. It's—you uh, just get these awards. And here's an example: when I was in, uh, there was a guy at my command who was in charge of the military pay, and I talk about this in my book. But he was in charge of the military pay at the command and he screwed it up royally and a lot of people didn't get paid properly for a long time you know we all got back paid but in the meantime we're all sitting there we're like you know we're short a thousand bucks plus a month and he was constantly getting 
obviously barraged from his, you know, our chain of command, his chain of command about because it wasn't doing his job and it would be very apparent. And yet when he left the command, they gave him a, what they call a NAM or a Navy Achievement Medal for exemplary service. I, what? <laughs> I was sitting there and I look at this, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This guy has done nothing but cause problems, costing people tons of money, forcing them to dig into their savings and some of them to be laid on bills because he hasn't done his job. And it's not like a hard job to do. There was times where he literally just didn't do it and then he'd blame it on someone else. Amazing. Amazing. It's... It, these things plague. And just to give you a sense, uh, Navy Achievement Medals... And Rich and Marlowe on their show, they, they've gone into this before. I mean, it wasn't given out like candy. It was given out for people who deserved it. Now you just do it for, get one for showing up. You know, I came back from my second deployment to Iraq, and uh, we were all lined up. They did like a mass medal ceremony after the deployment, and they, you know, the commanding officer comes up to me, and he says, for exemplary performance on a combat deployment to Fallujah, you know, blah, 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 team leader, this and that. Uh, here's your Navy Achievement Medal. I said, okay, thanks. And, you know, we're doing my job on deployment. And the kid next to me, who was, I don't know, maybe 21, 22, his job on deployment was to order boots and shoes for people who needed them. Well, he comes, literally scoots, they're doing it alphabetically, so some of us were SEALs and some of us weren't in the line, and he scoots to the left and gives this guy his medal and says, you know, for exemplary performance in the acquisition of footwear for, you know, three troop in, out of Ramadi, Fallujah, and Al-Assad. And they gave him a name. Now, keep in mind that he just got the same medal that 12 SEALs down the line got for combat operations in Iraq for ordering boots. Say What? I'm sure you're shaking your head. You're like, what? 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 Are you serious? Yeah, this happens, folks. They give these out. And then when it comes to a promotional board, as I've talked about so extensively in past shows, the promotional board looks at, oh, he's got a NAM. Regardless of the fact that they all know that a NAM is BS, that everybody gets them just for showing up to work. But nevertheless, it counts. And this, it drives me absolutely insane because I sit there and I'm like, well, here's people who actually do their job. And then there's people who do virtually nothing. I mean, if you're his job for eight months was to order boots for 32 guys. How, I mean, how many, how many boots could he actually have ordered? He just soaked up space and time in Iraq. You know, I'm sure he did other things. I'm sure they gave him collateral duties and things like that, but he didn't do anything exemplary to uh, what did he achieve to receive a Navy Achievement Medal? He achieved no success in striving beyond his job description. He achieved nothing exemplary. Ordering boots. So, why do they do this? Because they feel bad. This goes into the everybody gets a trophy. Well, yeah, in the military, everybody gets a trophy. It's phenomenal. 
They don't want to not give somebody a medal. Rather than earn your medals, like used to be done back in the day, they, they, they give them out just for being there because they don't want to offend anybody and everybody needs something. Oh, it looks bad if you don't get one. Well, stop the cycle. If you're a commanding officer and you're out there listening to this or in a position of authority, stop the cycle. Give awards, but bring back the meaning of an award. You know, to, to top all this off, you know, medals are also given to cover up bad mistakes. And I've seen it. And, and they make a... the. The bigger the mistake, the higher the medal they'll give. Now, uh, something that happened to me overseas, and this is near and dear to my heart because three of my friends were killed because of this decision by a commanding officer that was a completely uncalled for. And what did they do? They gave out high-ranking medals to cover it up. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of the people who earned those medals deserve them that night. But there were some who were given medals that didn't deserve them. And it was all to cover something up. Cover up a mistake, a bad call. Doing something that our members of the platoon, some of them ranking and well-respected, said this is a bad idea. Commanding officer went against that. He said, I don't care. Just go do it. So the medals were given to cover up a mistake. Nobody was fired. Nobody was held accountable. Despite the fact that three people died another guy lost his leg I mean nobody nobody was held accountable for it and these medals were given because they were you know trying to cover the fact that a big mistake was made and they needed they needed something to take the pressure off. It's just like any presidential problem. I mean, you look at the health care. He wanted to move right into a comprehensive immigration reform right afterwards. Well, folks, I always say, look at the story on page two. Because if there's a big breaking news on page one, half the time, or maybe even more, there's something on page two that they don't want you to see. So they will make news. So, while the people who do the job often deserve that, when those high-ranking medals are given out, it's also because of politics. It's like the guy who uh, was supposed to get the Medal of Honor recently. Um, I forget his name. I'm going to look it up. I have it right here. Oh... uh, the captain in the army, I, I don't remember his name, but he was, he had spoke out and he had said this was terrible, this was stupid. And they were trying to keep a thumb on him. And they really hammered him in the military. And then he spoke out and he grabbed enough people's attention and what'd they do? They gave him the Medal of Honor. Now, he probably still deserved that Medal of Honor. But the fact that it was taken away and only given back when there might have been some political pressure. And he also was speaking out against it. You think that that had anything to do with the fact that, hey, son, keep quiet. We'll give you the Medal of Honor. That's atrocious. Regardless of his actions, 
the upper echelon has now decreased the the honor of that medal because of their intentions on giving it to him. Not because he was a hero in the battlefield, which he was, to my knowledge, but because they simply wanted to cover up politics. It's sickening. Sickening. We need a drastic restructure here. You know, this comes into... I mean, look at Obama's... He probably talked about it last program. Obama's purging the upper echelon in the military. Why? He wants people who are going to go along with him. Now, I don't think he's going to march on Americans and declare martial law. But I think he is very cognizant of the fact that there's a potential that if he tries to push too hard, that these soldiers are going to push back. And he wants generals and admirals in charge who he knows aren't going to uh, disobey his order. Well, if you're a commanding officer or senior enlisted advisor out there, break the cycle. Give medals for what they are. You know, I spoke on stage with a former Medal of Honor winner and he said on stage, he said, hey, you know, to win the Medal of Honor, you got to do something that just about every soldier would do in that situation. The only difference is you need somebody, you need an officer there who can write, who can write about it. This is a Medal of, Congressional Medal of Honor winner. He said, you have to do something that just about every other service member would do in that situation. But the only difference is you need an officer who can write. Because, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, people out there, soldiers, our men and women on the front lines, the majority of them put in a situation worthy of the Medal of Honor would all act the same. And you know, oftentimes, there's a great number of you know battles and gunfights and things like that out there that go down that people deserve the Medal of Honor. But they maybe don't have somebody, an officer who can write or is willing to stick it out there for that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really disturbing. I mean, that all aside, I want to look at how these folks who come out of the military, often guys who get these medals, these high-ranking medals, are debilitated and they're forced to retire or they're pushed out of the military, or they just decide to get out. Now, I have a number of friends, one of which was essentially medically, not essentially, he was medically retired. They said, you're not fit for duty, came back, and he had, came back from Afghanistan, a really rough deployment. He didn't get shot or anything, but he had a lot of of issues, and his, his health took a turn for the worse because of things he experienced over there. So the military said, well, you know, we're going to medically retire you. Well, he's been out for months like eight or nine months now. And he has still not received a dime in disability. Now, keep in mind, the military forced him to get out. They said, okay, um, you're out. We're going to medically retire you, but we're not giving you any money. So he's been sitting there like scraping together a living. You know, I mean, folks, this is serious. And what really bugs me about this is the VA, first off, the chairman of the, the boss or whoever the guy is up on the top of the VA got a bonus last year for what? 
thousands and thousands upon piles of thousands of veterans with disability claims that have not been processed. And what pisses me off is you can go down to the welfare office or the unemployment office, get in line and get a check two weeks later for nothing, nothing you've done actually for not doing anything, literally for not doing anything. You can get that check. But a veteran who served his country and is medically retired based on his service because he stuck his ass out there is waiting nine months. That's hell. I've been out for 17, 16, 17 months. I haven't seen a dime. I applied right when I got out of the military. So what, what, what is the message here? The message is, Hey, what the heck? You know, if you stick your head and your neck out there for your country, you will have less care and concern for those that either can't or won't get a job. Food stamp recipients, all that stuff. This all comes way faster than any disability benefits. So what this is, this is a screw you veterans. Folks, if I do run and I do win, this is going to be a key focal point of my campaign. I'll be on every armed services committee you can think of. And I'm going to make sure that this is brought to the bank. This disability, I mean, people who receive life-altering injuries are waiting and then scrutinized. You know, Renegade Nation, I have another friend. He was a Marine in Iraq and his Humvee got blown up. He has shrapnel still in his shoulder. And he has to fight He's been out probably three and a half years now. Nearly every year, he's had to go fight for his disability. Because they said, oh, we're taking it away because you're capable now. Well, guess what? He's still carrying around metal that he got from Iraq because he was sent there to fight for his country for. So guess what? Veterans Affairs, you own that. They tried to cancel it. They tried to cancel it on him. That's crap. And I know he's listening to this program, so right on, man. I'm not going to mention his name because he's still a federal employee, but um, are you serious? Canceling his benefits? He's still got he's limited mobility in his shoulder, carrying around shrapnel, pain, and they want to cancel his benefits? Well, you know, but God forbid cancel their paycheck or their bonus. God forbid that. Couldn't have that. I mean, folks, more on this when we get back. I got to take a quick break. I'll be back in a few. Are your freedoms being destroyed? Like free speech? Shut up! Then fucking stay here and be blunt about it. Shut up! Will you shut up? Be right back. Y'all, check it. Call Lil C's. Tell that motherfucker to bring me some motherfucking weed from the hospital. Fuck that. Tell that reporter to go pick up 10,000 from Dez and go take about like 20 G's from Dino. Get this nigga next door up out of here. This nigga be showing all night. I can't sleep. And all that big butt nurse with the long hair that comes suck my dick. I need about three weeks of recovery But the nurses is loving me Saying the best part of the day is my half Feeding me breakfast and giving me oh. Welcome back Renegade Nation This is Carl Higby, your host uh, Thanks Richard Marla for having me on RenegadeTalk.fm Go there, like it, love it Make it your favorite Folks, uh, check me out on Facebook Carl Higby And like my battle on the home front page too I'm normally not a rap guy But this song caught me as I was scrolling through my uh, Entourage of songs that I have Um 
know, I was just talking about the welfare system and versus disability for veterans and things like that. I, I think that um, is a serious problem, and it really marks a pivotal point at, in our nation's entitlement programs. I, I talked once before about uh, pizza being allowed. You can buy them with EBT cards at 7-Elevens in Virginia Beach. What? Are you serious? Like, <laughs> so dumb. You know, back to the bread and water thing. I mean, you don't like it? Get a job. Fair enough. You know, jobs are tough to come by right now, no doubt. But they're out there. You know, it, it bugs me. And our veterans, this is another focal point. If I do end up doing this uh, congressional thing, it's serious that there is no accountability. There. I mean, look at Benghazi. I know we can beat this to death, and this has been a, a long, drawn-out thing, but, you know, there's no, like, Daryl Issa. He's, he's gone, to, gone to town on this, but yet he's stonewalled. They're blocking all these people from Benghazi from testifying. This is, a, this is a military matter, and this has gone all the way up to the commander-in-chief level, but yet there's still no accountability, and this is the problem. Folks, it goes even into the what happened with me in the court-martial for prisoner abuse. I mean, obviously, we were all acquitted, full acquittals. But at the same time, like, the commanding officer who brought that on had no consequences to that, even though he was dead wrong. He was told he was dead wrong before we even went to trial. We need that accountability. And that accountability transfers right over to the VA. Our, our military members, our, our sled dogs, are getting dragged through the dirt. And you talk, you see these people, and folks, read the article. It's written by Tim Kaine. It was in the Atlantic Magazine a while back called Why Our Best Officers Are Leaving. Go there and check it out. I mean, seriously, this is something we need to be aware about. Because it's these country-before-career bureaucratic military-minded people. They're, maybe military-minded is not the word, but they... I don't know where they go and where they become this zombie. We need to figure out what's going on. Like, what, what happened to the innovative military of World War II? Where we were citizen soldiers. Citizens first, as George Washington said it best. When we assume the soldier, we did not lay aside the citizen. And that's the problem, is we're laying aside the citizen now. Now, especially up top, we're more interested in covering our asses, like I talked about with the medals, than we are getting the job done. Folks, there's people putting these rules of engagement into effect right now. Like, if you need close air support or you know, pretty much bombs from above, if you're in a gunfight... You can't call in on your own. You can't say, all right, put a bomb down as you in the gunfight. You need to call back to your base, which could take a while. Call back to your base and request permission from whatever commander is in charge of that battle space or that area. Now, he needs to assess the situation and say yes or no. Damn him if he says no. But still, it adds a lengthy step to a vital vital resource now why in the world would this be put in place it comes down to the same accountability 
Because what they want to do is the military wants to say, oh, we have accountability. You know, and God forbid, we don't want to kill innocent civilians. So they're trying to display that accountability. But guess what? They're hanging our troops out to dry by doing it. The exact accountability is in the wrong direction. The accountability I'm talking about is is pointed at the wrong people. They're more interested about how the Afghan people feel or the Iraqi people feel when we were in Iraq than they are how our, our, our veterans, our sons and daughters are fighting this war. Politics. The organization that is supposed to be immune to politics is entrenched so deeply in it that it's destroying the organization. So, you know, when I, when I call for a reform, I'm not talking about just, oh, yeah, let's reform it. Let's, fi- let's fix it. Because it's, it, it's frustrating. So frustrating because everybody says they want to fix it and you'll have people stand up there. Why is this not a unanimous thing? Our, our veterans and our military being slandered by its, its own superior commanders. Folks, we need to get traction on this. This is an issue that needs to be out there because I'm sick and tired of it. I really don't don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it's, it's just so so pertinent. It, it needs to be done. I want to move on. Uh, I, you know, I'm sweating because I get so angry about how the way veterans are treated. Uh, something that came up to me today, I obviously recently moved to Connecticut and from Virginia where you get, you know, to get a concealed permit, you pretty much just go into the courthouse with a note from your mom saying you're not a bad de- bad guy and they just give it to you. Uh, Connecticut is a very, very, very different story. And um, I was thinking about it. I got to fill out all these forms, pay $70 here, $30 there, $35 over here. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. These far left loons are screaming that you can't have voter identification to... You can't have voter identification laws because, oh, some people are unfortunate and they can't afford it. So it's it's discriminatory and unconstitutional to make them produce an ID. Okay, then how how do you justify charging me over $100 to get a concealed permit? I don't need a permit to exercise any other right. Why should I need a permit to exercise my Second Amendment right? funny huh when you really sit back and think about it you're like huh that makes a lot of sense well it does make a lot of sense that's probably why it's such a messed up system is because it makes sense but you know i wonder how it would go like if you filed a lawsuit saying hey you know uh this you're making me pay for my rights essentially is what they're doing and i asked the lady at the front desk and she was obviously not the uh, sharpest crayon in the box, but I said, excuse me, ma'am, um, how do you justify charging me? I mean, shouldn't I just get it? Like, I have a permit from another state, so I, you know, I was a Navy SEAL. I was obviously well-versed in 
the use of a firearm. Shouldn't you be able to take my permit from another state and just say, oh, okay, well, you held one there. Let's just go ahead and turn one over. I think it's ridiculous. Now, I understand that, you know, individual states have their own programs, but, and it's basically a revenue issue for uh, the state of Connecticut to raise money. But where is the left on this? Where, where are they crying foul? Where's the ACLU? Oh, we can't have that. The people just want to exercise their rights. That's all. Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. Duh. So two-faced. Such a double-edged sword. Now you never know. This is, this is something that really needs to be considered by everybody. If you want me to exercise, you know, if you want me to show, and I need two forms of ID to get a, a gun permit. We're just asking for one form of ID to get a, um, to, to vote. They want a test to show you're proficient in a firearm. Well, I want a test that shows you proficient to vote. If you can't name the first three presidents, if you can't no, name what, what freedom is, what the second amendment is, what the third, the 10th. Why should you be able to vote? Why should you be allowed to vote? You don't know anything about the history of the country. You don't know anything about how it came to be and these freedoms we enjoy that most people have no idea what it's like to have without. But yet, somehow, it's okay. But, oh, God forbid, you want to you exercise your Second Amendment, you need two forms of ID and you need to pass a proficiency test. Firearm safety. Now, I understand the idea behind it. It's a good idea. But... Why not institute it for everything? Or nothing? There's plenty of people out there that are very proficient with firearms that I know that don't have a permit. Because of the bureaucratic BS to get one is a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. It's like a 12-week process and you got to get signatures and fingerprints and all this. You walk in, you just say, I could say I'm Eric Holder. Someone did do that. Someone voted as Eric Holder and it wasn't him in his district. So, but that's totally fine. Renegade Nation, I challenge you to go out there and bring these topics up to people. I don't care if you know them. My wife, she drives her nuts because I'll just spark up a political conversation with some random person. But you know what? It makes people think. A very good friend of mine ran a clean campaign and his mug, his campaign slogan on all his mugs said, think. That's damn right. Think. Get people to think. Get people to wonder, hey, wait a minute. This got a good point there. That sounds pretty logical. Well, I'm a normal person and my vote's worth something. I'm going to go vote. Folks, get out there. Explain to people that the system is failing you. The system is not what it's supposed to be. Let's bring it back to great, good old America. Folks, I appreciate you stopping by. You're listening to RenegadeTalk.fm. Thanks, Richard Marlowe, for having me on. I'll see you guys next week.
strives and 